Hi, welcome back to another episode of Bed Letter. I'm your host, Christian Ashleman, and this is the podcast where we chat a little bit about human psychology and mental health, social change, and cultural trends. So this is the seventh episode of Bed Letter. If you enjoy what you've heard on uh, the previous episodes where we've chatted about the stress mindset and suicide rates, general education, um, selfies, and fake news, Um, Or if you enjoy what you hear on this episode, be sure to follow on whatever platform you prefer. Uh, Bedletter can be found on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, uh, Google Podcasts, as well as a bunch of other smaller podcasting platforms and applications. Um, Subscribing to the podcast is definitely the best way to stay up to date as new episodes are released. Um, And another way you can stay up to date with what's going on in the show is to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever one you prefer, whatever your whatever platform is your is your thing. Um, and my username on all of those is just at C Ashleman. It's at C A S H L I M A N. And those platforms are also a fantastic place to generate discussion. Um, you can use them to talk about the things that we're that we're discussing in these episodes, and you know discuss your thoughts, feelings, your opinions, and stuff like that. So, today's episode, we're going to be looking at expectations, and just kind of, um, it's going to be a little different, well, I I mean, it's, we're still going to be going over some research on it and stuff, but I'm going to be sharing a lot of my own personal thoughts on this, because this is a really big topic for me. I have a lot of uh, personal skin in the game on this one, and so, yeah, I really wanted to start off by kind of giving a personal story and kind of my own personal experience with this. And, um, and a lot of this has to do with like general life expectations, expectations of yourself, expectations of that you give yourself and that you have of yourself, not necessarily expectations of like society and stuff like that, but, but the same type of idea can kind of be applied to those scenarios. So I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to start off with a personal story of expectations and kind of how I stumbled upon this this uh, thing that's vastly, vastly important for me um, in my own life. So at the start of May 2019, so a couple months ago, well, yeah, May 2019, September now, um, I decided, and I had just, I had just graduated college um, with my degree in psychology, and I decided that I wanted to take a big trip. Um, all going through my final semester, I was I was pretty set on wanting to move away and move and just get out of where I was living and move somewhere and get a job, do all this stuff. But I kind of changed my um, my direction and I decided I just wanted to take a big big road trip um, with just me and my dog Mia. And so it was me and her. We hit the road. I kind of augmented my my car. I had a I had a, a Volkswagen Jetta at the time, and I kind of augmented the car so that I could actually sleep in the car, kind of turned it into a camper. I removed the back seats and made it so I could, I could lay completely flat and kind of changed uh, like the back a bit and, and, uh, turned it into this like little mini mobile camper type thing. And it was really cool. It was really fun. I had taken, I had a kayak that I took with. We, you know, I had all the stuff I needed for however long I wanted to be out there. I had saved up enough money to to really go out there and and just kind of go on this big road trip. And I wanted to go out further west. So I was in Utah at the time. I wanted to turn out and go towards, you know, through Nevada, 
south and into California, San Diego, and then kind of up north towards Oregon, and uh, and then you know loop around, do whatever, see see where it took me from there. And I had also purchased a <clears throat> a uh, national parks pass, and so I kind of wanted to hit up a lot of the different national parks that were all that are all over, especially out west. They're they're everywhere, so I wanted to kind of go to a couple of those places as well. So it's just me and the dog, nobody else, and um, you know, obviously turned the camper into a or turned the car into a camper, so I didn't have to worry too much about like finding a place to stay the night and all those things. And I kind of I decided I wanted to take this trip because um, in a way I kind of wanted to. I guess you could say it's like cliche, but I guess you could say I wanted to find myself, or I don't I don't know. I just wanted to get out and kind of see things from a different perspective. Um, pull away from the whole school thing that I had just finished and been in for so long and the place I had lived for so long. I kind of wanted to take time away from all of that life and kind of just reorient myself and find find out you know my thoughts on things a little more and kind of take time to be creative in my own way um, and take time to really just, um, I don't know, digest what I wanted to do next, what I wanted to what the next move was for me in my life. And I think, I think that's an important thing. I don't, I I feel like a lot of people don't take time to figure those things out. And I was terrified that I never would. And so to me, it was a big deal that I had saved up this money and like gone out and done this. But while I was out on this trip, right, I'm out on this trip. I'm spending a lot of time on the road. I'm spending a lot of time in nature, um, with my dog, going on hikes, doing all kinds of stuff. And I'm out on this trip, and I started having these extremely disrupting thoughts and feelings um, while I was out there. You know, I'm spending a lot of time on the road, and that kind of led to some degree. I don't, I don't really experience road rage that heavily. I really don't. But I, I definitely started to be more easily frustrated when I was out there, when I was on the road, you know, since I'm spending so much time on it. And I, I began to lose patience there. I began to lose patience and be frustrated with my dog when she would misbehave or like not eat her food or not drink water consistently. I would just kind of lose some patience there. I became quickly frustrated, especially at my, um, cause one of the reasons I took off on the road was I wanted to kind of experience and, and kind of explore this passion that I had for, for writing and creativity and, and different things like that. And so I was, I was also quickly frustrated at my I felt like or I perceived it as my inability to consistently stay um, you know put the pen in my hand and start writing stuff so I was frustrated with myself for my lack of writing my lack of creativity that I was experiencing out there and just kind of you know just having these disrupting thoughts and feelings and being extremely self-critical while I was out there and um, I realized that I started really being frustrated at being frustrated with myself, if that makes sense. I I kind of entered this cyclical uh, pattern of being mad that I was frustrated on the road or frustrated with my dog or, you know, like I said, frustrated with the, the lack of writing. I realized that I was, I was being mad about being mad, which is totally, it makes no sense. Well, it kind of does, but it's like, it's it's just it's a cycle it's a vicious cycle and then you just become mad about that whole thing you take a step back and it just it's just this cycle right this vicious cycle and so um i kind of realized that i kind of began to do a lot of thinking a lot of self-reflection and i realized that expectations were playing my own expectations were playing a big role in all of this 
And so just looking at these specific three examples I've given, right? Um, my expectations when I was on the road were that, you know, we're out here on the road. The people that are on the road with me are going to obey the traffic laws. They're going to go, you know, if you're on a three lane highway, they're going to go slow in the right lane, medium speed in the middle lane and fast on the left. And, and I shouldn't have to, you know, tailgate behind people or I shouldn't have that happening behind me. People should be obeying the traffic laws, right? That was my expectation of what's going to happen on the road. You know, and obviously that's absolutely ridiculous because here we are, there's, there's millions of people on the road. We have millions of cars. Things are happening fast. They're happening all the time on the road. And for me to expect everybody to obey those traffic laws and to obey the way that things are supposed to be happening on the road is completely, it's, it's absurd. It's, I mean, people, you have that many people out there operating these giant metal boxes, these death boxes. There's literally no way that everybody's going to be perfect on the road unless we're all robots, right? So I kind of spelled out this this expectation of, of why that emotion of, of road rage was completely absurd to have in the first place and how that expectation was completely unrealistic. And, you know, moving on to my dog, I, I had been frustrated because she was eating really randomly. Not, I mean, she was, she wouldn't drink water all the time. She, she wouldn't, she wouldn't drink water all the time. And it was just frustrating because I couldn't figure out what was going on with her. And my expectation is that we'd hit the road and she'd be fine. We'd go on these hikes. She'd be good. She'd eat her breakfast, eat her dinner, drink often, you know, and not misbehave and, and all these things. But that expectation, again, is completely absurd because we're on the road. We're traveling new places every day. This dog has no, like, home base besides my car or me. And so that is extremely stressful on a dog. That is extremely stressful. And so my expectation, once again, I had found was completely preposterous for the, for my dog. All this traveling had made her so stressful or so stressed that she was only eating, she was eating less than she normally would. She was drinking less than she normally would. And she wasn't even misbehaving that bad, but just little things that she had always known to do. And so, you know, I, I kind of debunked that expectation as well. And then finally, I I also had realized my expectation of getting on the road and just like finding all of this creativity and like writing all the time and, and putting out all these things, you know, blog post, whatever it is. I realized that was also somewhat ridiculous expectation to have of myself because how could I ever meet that expectation? How could I come out on the other side saying, wow, I actually have met exactly what I wanted to do. How could I like in my own view of myself, meet that, meet that expectation, meet that requirement that I had set for myself. I wasn't cutting myself a break. I wasn't giving myself the time to say, look, you're out here on the road. This is kind of a stressful thing. You're not, I don't, not with my friends. I'm not with my family. I'm not with really anybody besides my dog or the random strangers I would meet out, out and about. And, and so, you know, I needed to cut myself a break because this stuff is because being on the road like that is is it is somewhat a stressful thing on me as well as as well as the dog. So I realized that that expecting to like go out there and be enlightened and all of this stuff is was somewhat a ridiculous expectation to have as well. And so you know after all this, I think, wow, expectations are crazy. They ruin everything. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I'm gonna have no expectations, which that doesn't really work either, right? 
So, but I also realized that I hadn't taken this concept of expectations. I hadn't taken this idea of of expectations and requirements and things set for myself. I hadn't applied that to the bigger scale of my life. I hadn't applied that to the massive, um, the way I actually looked at my life as a whole. I had only applied it to these tiny little minute things, you know, my dog's behavior, my perceptions of how much I wanted to write, my, um, you know, just these little things, the road rage thing, just, just these little tiny aspects of my life. I hadn't taken this concept of expectations and pu- applied it to the bigger the bigger scene yet. Cause, and, I, and I realized in the process of this that being frustrated with these little things, these little tiny minute aspects of my life was probably a symptom of something bigger, right? Because that's how things typically work out when it comes to negative emotions. It's usually some, some kind of symptom for something bigger. And eventually I just had to grab the bigger picture, the bigger thing by the ears and, and just look straight at it and address it because it became too big of a thing for me to not do. I had to do it. So I took these, this theory, this concept of expectations, and I, and I applied it to a bigger scale of my life, and I realized that I had let my expectations take over my consciousness. I had let my expectations of things take over my, my thoughts and my mindset, right? My expectations for the person that I thought I was supposed to be or become had kind of overridden everything. And, and by doing that, it had pulled me straight out of the present moment and cast my eyes always to the future. I'm always looking in the future, looking at this person that I'm supposed to be or this person that I want to become and always looking at this giant high standard, this person up there and saying, okay, this is what I have to do. But what I, in doing that, I realized that this that concept was only created, I only created it to serve one of two things. Either to, you know, first of all, to repair and maintain this image or this persona that I had of my past, or to create and build this image that I had of myself for the future. So I was, I, I had become this, this slave to this ideology, right, of past and future and my expectations of what I had done in my past to, um, and what, that would do to build my future. I had become a slave to this ideology. I had completely lost my my freedom, right? And without realizing it, I had I had let my expectations grow to a completely abnormal and completely unrealistic size. And you know, something that I could never never live up to, never amount to because it was or and and by living the way that I would want to uh you know, have to in order to become this, this person. I mean, it's just completely unrealistic. And it left me feeling completely disappointed in myself all the time because in, in the present, you know, it's like, if I'm not doing something all the time, that's going to get me to where I see this person on this pedestal of the future, then I'm just constantly disappointed in myself. I'm constantly critical of myself saying, well, you could be doing better. You could be doing better. You could be doing better. And it led me again to seeing the future and, and the present even in a kind of this warped and altered way, right? And so I realized that my expectations for my future, my expectations were literally poisoning my present moments. They were making me, like I said, feel incredibly self-critical and disappointed in, in the things I was doing, even though I wasn't doing, well, not out there doing anything bad. 
And, and, you know, if I look back, I was actually doing a lot of great things, but I had let these expectations of what was supposed to be completely unrealistic expectations poison the exact moment I was in, my present moment. And so, you know, this kind of made me see the future as something that was um, like predetermined or already already planned out, already figured out, right? It forced me to turn into this like reactionary being, this, this dust particle, you know, floating through life, floating down this road that already had its already was, you know, pre-charted and already was exact. Um, instead of being a proactive, a proactive person where I enact things, kind of turned me into just a purely reactionary thing. Because if you're traveling a road that already has been built, it's already been, you know, determined, it's already been, you know, set, then everything that I'm seeing on that road, I'm just reacting to, I'm not creating. And, and you know, I mean, expectations aren't all awful, like I said. Expectation, the, the way of having expectations is kind of like a survival instinct or a defense mechanism, right? Because expectations allow you to form educated guesses about your future. They allow you to form, um, you know, hypotheses about what is to come down the road. If you experience, you know, a long time ago, if you got into a fight and you just walked up to a bear and it mauled you or mauled your friend, you would know, okay, we don't, we don't go near bears. I'm expecting that a bear is going to, you know, devour me or, or maul me or whatever, right? So we form these expectations and it's somewhat of a survival instinct, right? So not all expectations are bad um, because they allow you to form these guesses, which is vital, right? It's vital to navigate your life. But um, in the reality of it is the future, the future of what is to come is completely uncertain. It's completely uncertain. I mean, right now, an anvil could fall through the roof and crush me and end it all, right? Like, it's very unrealistic, and it's not going to happen, per se, but there is a realm of complete possibility for everything. And I think that that uncertainty of life can be comp just cripplingly terrifying and chaotic and can, co can cause a lot of cognitive dissonance when you sit and think about it, just how uncertain things are. And that's why I think our brain kind of forms these roadmaps. It forms these, uh, these paths that we are, are, are walking down, and it kind of forms those, those guesstimates, those hypotheses. Our brain builds these roadmaps. So we can kind of take that uncertainty, that puzzle, and kind of put it together a little bit, just a little bit, right? And I think the problem that arises with this is when you start to take that roadmap and you start to subscribe so much to it that you believe it as fact. You believe that roadmap is exactly what it is, what reality is, what is going to happen. When, like I said, in reality, there is a massive serving of uh, uncertainty that's out there. And so while a roadmap is good to have, when you subscribe fully to it and believe that as fact, that's when you start having this cognitive dissonance, this frustration, and these unrealistic expectations. Because the reality of life isn't isn't that you're, it's going to go exactly that way. So, you know, the solution isn't to throw all caution to the wind and have no expectations at all. It's okay to have, you know, some, you know, realistic expectations. It's okay to expect 
a light to turn green after a while, after it's been red for a while. It's okay to expect you, that your that your wife or husband of 30 years or whatever doesn't go out and cheat on you. Those are realistic expectations. But it's never it's still never a 100 or 0 equation. It's still never 100% expectation, 0% reality or 100% reality and 0% expectation. That's not that's they have to meet in the middle somewhere. Your expectations and reality have to come together and meet up to form what is in the present and what can be for the future. And so and I, I think that I think that fewer and more realistic expectations are what allow you to live in the present. They allow you to live in reality and uh, and allow you to live with that giant serving of uncertainty and allow you to make sense of that uncertainty by having these realistic 50/50 expectations in reality. And I don't I know that you don't you know you don't have to take my word just for it just in my experience. I mean cuz these are a lot of things that I've kind of worked through myself um, and you don't have to take just my word for it. I think that the science kind of speaks for itself on this. And so I found I did find just two little articles that touch on expectation a little bit um, in in very specific circumstances obviously. Um, so the first study I found was done in 2014 in St. Louis um, at St. Louis University by Deborah Zand, who has a PhD and is an associate professor in pediatrics. And she conducted a study with her associates um, on 67 participants, and the participants were all parents of children with uh, developmental problems or disabilities. The children have developmental problems, disabilities. And this study was conducted on 67 parents of those children. And um, they wanted to investigate the areas of parents' behaviors or their or the parents' reactions that might increase abuse risk. Because the abuse risk for children with developmental problems and disabilities is already 1.7 times higher for disabled children than it is for your, your typical um, typically developing child. And so they found that the parents often expected more and empathized less than typical, which is very, I mean, it's pretty disheartening. It's very sad. But Deborah Zan also has this uh, quote at the end of her article where she says, this group of parents often feel stressed and frustrated when their kids don't perform according to their expectations, which may lead to abusive behavior against the children. And while it may, it seems you know, looking at the surface level, it seems absurd for a parent to be having higher expectations of a child who actually struggles with developmental problems or disabilities. It it does, you know, that is completely unrealistic, right? But it kind of goes back and shows my previous point of how, and you know, I'm, like I said, for me, I was looking at these expectations in myself and this study is kind of looking at them amongst people, parents to children. But it's the same idea, right? It's the same. You have unrealistic expectations, and those unrealistic expectations are leading to family discord, um, dissonance within within the relationship, and issues within that within the parent and child relationship, which can lead to abuse, which is obviously something that should always be avoided. That's that's awful, and so it kind of proves this point of of expectations kind of form. Um, unrealistic expectations can manifest in reality in a very negative and abusive way. And another study I found that was very interesting was done in this is this was done in 2001. So this is a while back, but it still holds you know some validity here for sure. 
um, and it was done at Uppsala University in Sweden by Karen Norden, who also has a PhD. And what she did was they took 85 newly diagnosed gastrointestinal cancer patients and 26 spouses of those cancer patients. What they did is they measured the life satisfaction of these people. And they took the importance of values like harmony, positive relations, mobility, stuff like that, and they compared it against how many of those values the participants felt they had achieved in their own lives. So they're taking the importance of values versus the achievement of those values is what they were measuring. So what they did is they administered multiple waves of questionnaires to both the patients and the spouses. And through the study, they found that when cancer patients lower their expectations to match reality, the patients were no more anxious or depressed than the general population, which is incredible. You have somebody who is diagnosed with a disease that is potentially um, life-ending, and they are able to take when they're able to take their expectations of life and lower those expectations and make them match reality and have them be more realistic. These patients were experiencing far less levels of anxiousness and depression than the general population would, or they were they were matched up with the general population. And, but what they also did find was that the number of anxious or depressed spouses did not decrease. And I wonder, just in my own speculation, I wonder what the reason for that is for the spouses. I wonder if it's because um, maybe the, the people with the cancer were, since, it's, since they are the ones experiencing it, they are more inclined maybe to act in, you know, trying to solve how they can look at this disease since it's, since it's in them, it's in their body. Maybe they're more willing to step out and, and look at the different scenarios, the different outcomes, and, and you know address these expectations. Whereas for the spouses, maybe it's more of a difficult thing because the reality of it is if the patient doesn't heal, the reality is that they may lose their significant other to the disease, which is awful and, and sad, right? And so maybe that's kind of one reason why that did not decrease. But, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't say in the article exactly why or anything like that. But uh, another thing for the that was interesting in, in that study was that they also found that the the biggest improvement in those those different um, importance categories I was talking about harmony, positive relations, mobility, stuff like that. The biggest improvement for the cancer patients as well as the spouses was in communication. So both of both of them were um, became far better at communicating, and I wonder if that also could be helped. One of the reasons why the patients had better life satisfaction because of their they had they were you know less in anxiousness and depression maybe they were able to not only communicate with their spouse better but also with themselves and be more honest with themselves about their expectations um, so anyway very interesting study and it kind of goes to show again just how expectations kind of help build your reality and how those two things have to come and meet halfway and so you know <clears throat> Finding this research was a bit of a challenge. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't super difficult, but um, there's not very much research out there on expectations in regard to like your your own personal expectations for your like everyday Joe guy. Um, a lot of the research on expectations has to do with like specifically affected groups such as children with disabilities or cancer patients, right? We're looking at very specific groups. And like I said, those two things can kind of be adopted into the everyday Joe type thing and the way we look at expectations. 
but yeah, it, it's not it's not looking. It's it was a little bit difficult to find research that had to do with just your everyday person and their expectations of their own life. Because, like I said, a lot of the research focus is also on the um, other emotions and categories as a symptom of expectations instead of just looking directly at expectations and how expectations influence something. But, uh, you know, looking at expectations in these groups, like I said, they can, it can generalize to a, a larger group because um, we're looking at the, the theme of it. We're looking at the way that expectations can influence something. And just knowing these, just knowing that and knowing these studies can help show the power of that um, aspect in our lives, both good and bad, right? Bad in the sense of like the, the children with disabilities and good in the sense of the children with, or the, not children, but the people with cancer. And so um, anyway, interesting, very interesting um, research there. And I think that, you know, expectations are real. They influence your behavior. They influence your thoughts. They influence your goals. They influence all kinds of things in your life. And um, they influence your reality a lot more than you might think. The way that you are experiencing emotions right now, the way you're looking at, at problems in your life. Um, and, and I think that your expectations for you can make or break you. If you have completely unrealistic expectations of yourself, it can really affect how you see yourself, your self-esteem, your, how, you, um, how you navigate your life, how you make choices. And it can, make, it can make or break you. But the thing about it is, is you have the power. It's all about the power that you give those expectations. It's all about the power that you set for yourself on those expectations and where you can find and meet your expectations and have them have your expectations meet reality and ha have those be realistic is where you will find a stronger um, sense of, of being in the present and living your life now and still, you know, looking forward in the future and living to become something better than you were yesterday. But um, at the same time, having those having those goals be something that is realistic. So anyway, expectations are wild. They're very interesting. They're out there. But I think that's where I'm going to wrap up this episode. If you enjoyed listening, be sure to follow the podcast on whatever platform you prefer. Like I said, Bed Letter is found on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and a whole bunch of other smaller platforms. Um, if you found this interesting, be sure to share it with your family, friends, anybody you know who loves podcasts or is interested in, in the mind or psychology and, and human behavior. Um, I really appreciate that a lot. It really means a lot to me when it's, when it's shared out there. Um, you can also follow me on social media if you want to stay up to date with the show. Uh, it's I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. It's just at C Ashleman, at C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N. I definitely use Instagram the most. A lot of my Instagram stuff gets pushed over to Twitter and Facebook, so if you are following on those other um, social platforms, you'll still, you'll still see what's going on. But I like to use Instagram a lot because I really like photography, and that's a really good place to kind of let that creative side come out. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I love you guys. I really appreciate it. I hope you have an awesome week, and I will see you next time on Bed Letter. Bed Letter.